Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Kevin managed to sell what was left of his soul, and now he's speaker. George Santos would really rather you look at his hands than who's putting money into them. And the Bolsonaro supporters stage an insurrection in Brazil as Steve Bannon chuckles in the background. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe to the newsletter at didnothingwrongpod.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. We've got a great show for you today. Thanks for joining us. Kevin McCarthy gets to call himself Speaker of the House now, and it only took 15 rounds of voting and a near brawl in the House chamber to get there. The list of concessions McCarthy agreed to is out, and it seems like he and the GOP have really set themselves up for even more infighting, squabbling, and perhaps utter chaos over the next couple years. Will they get anything done? And was it worth it, Kevin? I can't imagine that it was. Can you? I No. No, it's literally, there was a report that as he was coming over to talk to Gates before the final vote, some Democrat yelled, on your knees. <laughs> Again, there was a report. There was a report. Oh, that, that. <laughs> but that, it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he had fought and fought and given and given and given and Gates still screwed him over and, and mm-hmm. loved every second of it. And Kevin... Oh, he just looks so desperate walking up there. And what do you, what do you think you're going to accomplish? But he's, he'd clearly run out of ideas. They, yeah. they, he'd made the concessions. He'd, he, I'm going to go ahead and guess there were plenty of threats. Probably mm-hmm. first there were empty threats and then there were specifics about how we're going to unseat you and how we're going to, uh, Madison Cawthorn you. <laughs> And all this, <laughs> which which they might still do, it'll be interesting to see. But also, Kevin uh, agreed not to do that because he he made some pact with the the club for growth, where he's not going to use his pack money to contest Republican held seats. So he's he's not gonna use all those millions that he gets from his uh, congressional leadership pack to go unseat Matt Gates because Republicans already hold it. So go use the money somewhere else. So maybe there's a workaround there, but I don't know how he's going to go from this position of weakness to, oh yeah, strong party leader and head of the house and getting things done and put your gloves on and go to work. Let me just read through this list of concessions because it's rather extensive. And if anyone hasn't already seen it, we'll go straight to that. So according to CNN, here's what the holdouts got from McCarthy in exchange for the speakership. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Any member can call for a motion to vacate the speaker's chair. So one person can call for a motion to unseat Kevin McCarthy, one person. And that's on either side of the aisle, right? Yes. I would think it would have to be. I mean, there's how could that be an only Republicans rule? Yeah. Well, oof. <laughs> I was thinking the Democrats could really raise some hell with this if they wanted to. Yeah, every single time. Let's have a vote. And let's see who's who's there and who's not. <laughs> Part of the problem with doing that with one person is what if five people are gone? What if they're on a trip? What if they're who knows? They got COVID. They can't come and then you have Speaker Matt Gates. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the next week you might have speaker Hakeem Jeffries. Ooh, ooh, it's going to be a long two years. I just, he gets, he gets the office. Maybe, maybe this was all about the office. Kevin had already moved his stuff into the, the office for the speaker. Didn't want to have to move it out. He couldn't put the sign up because he, <laughs> see, cause he, uh, he wasn't speaker yet, but he, he was in there. Matt Gates called him a squatter. That was amazing. He did. He did. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't have another office, so he didn't have somewhere else to go. I guess they could have found a, a broom closet or something if <laughs> they'd really looked. But can you imagine, though? Can you imagine the humiliation if he'd had to take that stuff out? <sighs> wow. They would yeah. have filmed it. It would have been epic. Kevin hauling boxes Oof. out of the so close, so close, so Kevin. close, almost. Maybe next, maybe maybe in five or ten or twenty more years, we'll we'll get you. You had your shit in there, and you were just yeah. Mm. Okay, let me let me keep going. Okay. So one person can motion to vacate the speaker's chair. The next is what I already mentioned: a McCarthy-aligned super PAC, the Congressional Leadership Fund, agreed to not spend in open Republican primaries and safe seats. So. We're not going to Madison Cawthorn people with this money. We'll see. The next, the House will hold votes on key conservative bills, including a balanced budget amendment, congressional term limits, and border security. It's really great branding on the Freedom Caucus's part to call themselves conservatives. It's, <laughs> it's, isn't it? <laughs> it's really great branding. And all the, all these outlets are going with it because a good amount of them have. Republican sources, and they know that if they want to keep having Republican sources, they have to call them conservatives. I would not, under any sort of objective measure, I would not call these people conservatives. They are hardliners, extremists, Tea Party nuts, but Mm -hmm. that's some good branding. It's the same as they've been running for years that we are ultra conservatives, and they just haven't really proven that ever, really. Yeah. It's been more of a case of, like you said, they're hardliners. They're very much not what one would think of as a conservative in almost any sense of the word at this point, but they get away with it. They do get away with it. So then we go to efforts to raise the nation's debt ceiling must be paired with spending cuts. Oh, fun. Which, great. What what are we going to cut? I don't know. Medicare, healthcare, social security. What are we, what are we cutting this week? Kit? You know, those teachers, man, those teachers are just making too much money. We better, yeah. we better cut funding to schools. Seriously. As someone who has a kid in, in public school, and man, I, f- I feel for teachers who have to beg and plead for money to buy pencils and paper and little scissors that they can use. But they'll they'll cut something. So next we have move 12 appropriations bills individually instead of passing separate bills to fund government operations. So you thought government shutdowns <laughs> were, were a problem and were uh, happening too often, and we needed to do something to stop all these government shutdowns where, where people are just uh, getting on their soapbox and, uh, oh, the spending, and oh, oh, clutch, clutch those pearls. Well, now we're going to have fights over all 12 appropriation bills of course so we absolutely are and god only knows how i don't even want to guess how long that's going to take we are going to be seeing a new standard for absolute just gridlock and chaos in the house of representatives 
they are going to, I think they're going to prove once and for all that they not only can't govern, but they have absolutely no interest in governing. I think we're about to see that. I can't see after the way the speaker vote went this going any other way. Yeah. Okay. He finally got to the speaker vote. He finally got the votes that he needed because enough Republicans voted present. They still wouldn't vote for him. They just voted present. Mm -hmm. Fine. But now they actually have to go do something and agree to anything and put things to committee and through committee and then they're going to be the bills. These government shutdowns have been insane and it's just been more and more often and now we're going to we're going to argue about all 12 individually. We're going to do this every uh, month. Mm. We're going to do every this month. every month. We're going to have an argument about shutting down the government every single month. Oh, and if you if if one of those 12 we don't we don't like, we don't like what you agreed to and that's that's not MAGA enough or quote unquote conservative enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and file a motion to vacate the speaker's chair. So you better be ready to fight all the time every day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's keep going here. We've got more Freedom Caucus representation on committees, including the influential House Rules Committee, which <laughs> that's that's already a fight because they they either have veto power or they have one less than veto power. So if one, I, I would have to look that up. But the House Rules Committee are basically going to determine what's being put forth and what's what's being advanced, and that's going to be a fight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean those those poor unrepresented House Freedom Caucus folks that don't get their voices heard absolutely had to be. Yeah, I mean that's the Rules Committee makes those decisions. Uh, this is bad. <laughs> this is, yeah, they're gonna get. Yeah, I think I think three seats, and they're gonna get up every time, and they're gonna have some grievances. They they're gonna are. they're gonna have some some issues okay so (laughs) we'll be we'll be talking more about that and then next on the on the list of concessions we have cap discretionary spending at fiscal year 2022 levels which would amount to lower levels for defense and domestic programs so that means essentially a defense budget cut even though that that was initially reported and the number that I saw was a $75 billion defense budget cut, which is going to be hard to maintain if we're going to keep providing aid to Ukraine. But it went out there. I don't know that that number is going to match up, but it might. Yeah. Uh, you've got to look at inflation. And if we're if we're capping discretionary spending, well, it, it really is a cut across the board. But it, it's not it's not good. And it's, again, that we've got to balance the budget. And I'm sure some of these guys are going <laughs> to get up there and start talk, talking about the gold uh-huh. standard. <laughs> it's a big one with some of them. They, they, they're down with that. Taxation is theft. And those guys are going to honestly, those guys have three votes on the on the House Rules Committee. So it's going to be it's going to be mm-hmm. great. It's going to be super great. Okay, next concession because we're not done. <laughs> we're not. We're not done. Oh, oh Kevin. Kevin McCarthy Kevin, will kick. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy will pick up Matt Gates dry cleaning every Friday. <laughs> Wait, no, that's that's not. Uh, that's probably the list. Kevin McCarthy see. will let every member punch him in the arm at least once a week. <laughs> okay, so. Really, really next one. We've got 72 hours to review bills before they come to the floor. 
Oh my god, three days, <laughs> three days. You you do you realize how many bullshit hashtags they can they can weaponize and how many? That's that's three tuckers. Okay, that's three, three tuckers, tuckers worth of, worth of this media is, cycle. This is oppression. Wow. And and you're replacing white people and Ukraine is just actually it's not Ukraine is just as bad. It's Ukraine is worse and Zelensky is a tyrant and the Ukraine is run by a bunch of corrupt scumbags. You shouldn't be giving them money. Zelensky is a tyrant. He's just as bad as Putin. I'm sure we'll be hearing all of this kind of stuff. So, yeah, every time 72 hours. Oh, my God. They're going <laughs> to oh, they're going to have so much to say. And. Yeah, you can organize a protest in that in that time period. You can you can cause a lot of mayhem, mm-hmm. and they will, and they will. Okay, next we've got give members the ability to offer more amendments on the House floor. Oh my God, how how it everything everything is going to be so slow. And we've got the the twelve appropriations bills individually, and now it's easier to offer amendments on the House floor. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Come on. Do we do we really do 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 kids really need food in school? Uh do do we really maybe maybe members of the military should supply their own uniforms. The arm the custodians uh, bill in schools. I mean just, you know, name oh God. It. name some of the silly things that these people have brought up over the last that have come out of the fever swamp of conservative quote unquote politics over the last few years and you're going to see a bill about this and you're going to see one of these assholes is going to have a a disband the fbi uh-huh. amendment every time like every time every time every time and if and if mccarthy doesn't agree well uh, let's uh, sir ra- raise your hand let's vote to unseat him let's let's vote let's see who's here let's see what we can do let's see who we can get in and let's vote that's gonna come up a lot this year i have a feeling a the lot next two years that's gonna a come lot. up frequently and you look at a guy like matt gates and it's very clear how much he hates mccarthy and i don't know if they they offered him something or threatened something or whatever they finally got him to vote present he was never going to vote for mccarthy but i know there was one report that gates was upset because he felt like mccarthy had not supported him enough with this this sex trafficking investigation that apparently ended without any charges against gates but despite the fact that his close friend was under investigation and there was there was plenty of reason to be looking Mm -hmm. into this let's just be honest but gates gates is mad because mccarthy didn't support him enough but gates is still real mad and he is in a seat that is blood red i have I have driven through <laughs> his seat. It is deep red and it is staying deep red. And he's going to have that seat as long as he wants. Unless he gets convicted of something, I, I don't I don't see how you unseat him. You threaten him all you want, but I don't know how you make him go away. So he's he's mad. He's going to stay mad. And you made him essentially let Kevin get the job that he didn't want him to get. So... Every single way he can disrupt this, I think he will. And I think he can because Kevin just empowered Matt Gates to, well, let's let's call mm-hmm. a motion to vacate. Let's add an amendment that no one's going to agree to. Let's him and haw and argue and fight about 
appropriations bill seven and nine and 11 and 12 because Mm -hmm. we can and everybody who's got even the slightest little bone to pick with any of this stuff is going to fight it and i wouldn't be at all surprised if the democrats do at least a few times if they think they can get away with it raise a motion to you know vacate the speakership i think we're going to see that a lot I i think that now that that's on the table we're going to see the bomb throwers on both sides of the aisle decide to do that somewhat frequently to stall a vote, to change a media cycle, any number of things. I think they're really going to regret putting that in there. Yep. Yep. And there's not a whole lot they can nope. do about it now. Okay, let's go. Next concession. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got three really? more. Three, three more? more? Oh, my. Uh, oh, no. Wait, two I'm more. sorry. Two, two, two more? Really? Me. Okay. <laughs> my <Okay>. God. <laughs> yeah. Two more. We're almost there. Oh, my God. Uh, Killing me. Okay. So create an investigative committee to probe the, quote, weaponization of the federal government. So that's Church Committee 2.0 that we've been talking about, which McCarthy had he had sounded like he was on board for and he was he was definitely talking up. But it seems like they made him put it in writing and be. Well, I know we've we've seen some details on this, and they're essentially trying to look at ongoing investigations. This is not your dad's no. or your grandpa's church committee. This is the FBI is corrupt, and they need to stop investigating X, Y, or Z, and we we have a better idea, and they need to huh. listen to us. I'm not sure how much they can actually get away with this and, and actually do here, but yes. by God, they're going to try. Yes, and they are going to have their allies in the media sphere on board with all of it. And it will be, you know, the second coming of the church committee. It will be the second coming of Watergate hearings. It'll be whatever they think they can get away with. And it'll be the biggest, I mean, you thought that the amount of hype that they put behind John Durham and his investigations was a lot. Well, just wait. It's going to be Benghazi mm-hmm. with guns. or All of it. Yeah. Benghazi with RPGs. <laughs> it is. It is. Wow. <laughs> I'm looking real forward to seeing this one. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that um that Anthony Fauci is enjoying his rest while he can because he's going to be a big one. We know they're going to go after Mayorkas at DHS. Yep. Yep. Secretary Mayorkas. Well, they might just do everyone. I think everyone's going to get a look in. They'll they'll talk about Comey again. They'll bring up Hillary. I'm sure something about the Clinton death squads is going to come back. Hunter's laptop will definitely be a starring role. Honestly, they need like a banner. The committee to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. They've already done the mock trial on Fox. I mean, we know exactly how this is going to go. It's... <laughs> <laughs> They are so horny for those investigations <laughs> into the laptop. They absolutely are. Uh, it's not nope. because of the, the dick pics. No, it, it's no, it has nothing to do with any of that. It's just simply like the American people absolutely need to know this. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's, that's going to, okay. One more, one more. <laughs> Uh, Restore the Holman rule, which can be used to reduce the salary of government officials. Uh Uh-huh. So I don't exactly know who they think is getting paid too much in the government. I think the goal here is to cut certain government officials' salaries to zero in the hopes that they resign. 
I've heard about this before, and I seem to remember some discussion about potentially cutting Fauci's salary to zero. Anybody they don't oh like, any God. cabinet official. Yeah, that's the whole point of the Holman rule. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But uh-huh. They're trying to be clever, and and it it might work in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. I I I did want to mention though. You know who said mm-hmm. his salary was zero? Uh, for four years, he, he, he was giving it all away. He's giving it all away. Trump, Trump, when he was president, all the time promised he was taking no salary. He was giving it all away. And then his tax returns came out and guess who was not giving away their salary? You mean he was lying? Yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard for you to believe. Are you, are you okay? Do you need a minute? I'll get through. I'll be okay, man. But yeah, okay, so reduce it to zero and just get these people out because, oh, you know, government jobs are Absolutely. just so cushy and easy. And These people are I, all way overpaid yeah. and we would never actually do anything like punish our political enemies with this. The Holman Rule is actually named after an Indiana congressman who devised this one in 1876. House Republicans actually reinstated this again in 2017. So this is the last time they did this. They can reach into the budget, slash the pay of an individual federal worker, any individual federal worker, down to $1. Um, The use of the rule is not simple. Majority of the House and Senate would still have to approve this. But basically what they can do is they can go through and they can, they were using it in this case to cut any of Trump, any of the bureaucrats who disagreed with what Trump was doing in the beginning of his administration. And I'm sure they'd be using it for similar purposes. Anybody they, they dislike, they can go in and just potentially cut their salary if they can get a majority of people to, to vote for this. Yeah. It's, it's a really, I'm sure there's nothing punitive or vindictive about their potential usage of this one at all. I'm sure it's just them trying to look out for the taxpayers on this. Yeah, of course, of course. But they're just worried mm-hmm. about the budget and they just want to balance the budget. That's all. That's all they're because they're conservatives and that's that's what they <laughs> that's what they care about. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you, we will see more of this, though. I know there there was some discussion, too, about the House Ethics Committee or one of the the, the ethics probes are essentially going to stop because they're going to gut it and they're not going to kill the office, but they're essentially going to take away the financing. I think one thing they were going to do is put a term limit on it so that you can only be there four years, eight years, whatever it is. And they, they know that at least two of the people that are on there that are Democrats have been on there long enough. So it will kick them mm. off the committee and, and then they just won't replace them. They just won't replace the Democrats. And so that's they're finding creative ways to avoid the headline of, oh, we killed the ethics committee or, oh, we got rid of the police chief for the Capitol building or whatever the thing is. They're not going to come out and just fire them or get rid of them because they know how that's going to look. They know people are going to react to that. So they're just going to. Mm hmm. Part of it is they're going to flood the zone with bad, unhelpful, and in some cases, anti-democratic actions. And there's going to be too much to cover. And some of the some of the stuff is going to go into effect immediately. And some of it's going to take months and maybe even years. And people are going to forget. And it's bad. But 
honestly also how much bad news can people handle it's the same thing it's the same thing trump did it's the same exact playbook they're they're mm-hmm. just kind of gonna wait us out and they have time they have all the time that they need they can just keep going and this is all great for them so for them there's no downside they can just keep going and keep pushing this stuff out and eventually you give them enough distractions people are going to tune it out and since we're talking about distractions here you probably saw this week that Anthony DeVolder or George Santos or whatever we're calling him this week, Anthony D, Anthony Zabrowski. Those are just the ones we know of. A.K.A. Anthony Zabrowski, A.K.A. Anthony DeVolder. Seriously. I mean, (laughs) he was finally sworn into Congress last week, but not before starting another controversy by flashing the OK hand sign, which some people immediately interpreted as being a white power symbol and proceeded to condemn him for his apparent racism. Is the guy who faked being Jewish and says he's half black really a white nationalist? Or do you think maybe this is something else? Maybe another distraction? Yeah, it does seem like it's better for him if we talk about his racism and potential ties to white nationalism instead of this money that he still can't explain. We know his campaign was paying his rent. And we know his sister apparently owes $40,000 in back rent and is going to be evicted soon as well. And he had, huh. he had actually moved in there. And so not sure he can pay that bill either. But somehow he managed to self-fund his campaign to the tune of $705,000, which is, again... I'm I'm sure we know there are several active investigations and they are looking into this. And I think eventually we are going to get some answers here. I don't know if it'll be enough to get him kicked out of Congress because that is the world we live in. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I know Republicans are talking about running somebody else in the next cycle, and I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But that is what we need to stay focused on. The, the OK symbol, it's not an easy one to break down because it does look like mm-hmm. he did it and did it intentionally. And you've got this guy, Vish Burra, who's part of the New York Young Republican Club, who's apparently been hired as a staffer for him. And, and Vish is a, is a Bannon guy. He was a producer on his show. And he's palling around with Pasobic and Tiermond and, and Bannon and all of, all of their whole crew, the, the TPUSA crew now, which is, <laughs> of course, part of the Bannon sphere. I know we're getting a little technical, but I feel like we've talked about, about yeah, it enough definitely. that people know what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah, so he's part of the Bannon sphere, but he gets hired. And then a day or two later, Santos gets sworn in and he does this OK symbol, which is absolutely kind of a, a thing that gained notoriety with Mike Cernovich and Cassandra Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. They, they did it from the podium at the White House. I think the best way I've come to describe it and explain it to people is it is not explicitly a white nationalist symbol. It is a symbol that is used by racist and white nationalists and and very extreme figures. But it is something that they just kind of created mm-hmm. in 2017 and decided they were going to do a thing. It's almost it's almost more like a gang symbol. It's almost more like you're part of this particular right, right. club or crew. And the real issue here is the fact that it's a distraction. It is it is something 
that they want you to talk about because there's something else they don't want you to talk about. And stories focused on race get a lot mm-hmm. of traction on on both sides of the aisle. And they know that. And it's just a kind of bait that they use to throw you off the scent of something they don't want you to focus on. Well, let's talk a little about where this came from, because it came from the same place that a lot of the crap that is wrong with things right now originated, and that would be 4chan. February 2017, I'm going to read the original post. Some anon, we must flood Twitter and other social media websites with spam, claiming that the OK hand sign is a symbol of white supremacy. Make fake accounts with basic white girl names and type shit like, OMG, that's so true. Use as many emojis as you please. It would also be good for us to associate the OK sign being a symbol of white supremacy because Mel Gibson used it. Use the hashtag power hand privilege in all of your tweets and whatnot related to this. Bonus points if your profile pick is something related to supporting feminism. Leftists have dug so deep into their lunacy. We must force to dig more until the rest of society ain't going anywhere near that shit. They were calling this Operation OKKK. So in the very beginning, this thing starts out as a troll. It is a straight up troll that... Like you said, Mike Cernovic, Cassandra Fairbanks picked up on it, and Cassandra herself proceeded to try and sue a reporter who mentioned it and got laughed out of court for it, but that's another story. They came up with this gesture specifically so they could get people to say that that's what this was, and once they said it, they could then point to them and say, ha ha, you're stupid, dumb liberals. This is the kind of humor that is endemic in that side of things. Let's own the libs. It was a kind of proto own the libs move on their part. And the problem is people on their side picked it up and decided to use that as a, a signifier, like you said. So now we've got this thing that originally was a purely trolling campaign that people are now using to imply that they're a racist, but there's nothing you can really do about this. And a lot of the time it does tend to be a distraction, like you said. And in this case with Santos, that's definitely like what it looks like is happening here. Cause does anybody really believe that that's something that this guy feels? I mean, dude's a Brazilian dude claims to be half black dude claims to be Jewish. Now he's Jewish, but before that he was Jewish. This is not a guy mm-hmm. that, the white nationalists really particularly would claim as one of their own. And he'd rather have you talking about hand gestures than where he's getting any of this money, 705,000 that he somehow wrote a check to his own campaign for, despite being on paper broke on almost every level. So I don't get, I mean, I can see why he would do this. This makes a lot of sense for him to try and like throw up a smoke screen to some extent. But I think in this case, it's important to stay focused on the things that really matter about this case. And that's where'd you get the money, George? Anthony, where, where, where's the money coming from? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that kind of started to dominate the news cycle around George Santos. And if you just think about it, 
Trump was racist and and Trump occasionally did this this okay sign what looks like the okay mm-hmm. sign when he's talking. It and it's a thing that he's done for years and years and years, which I also think is part of the reason they picked it because mm-hmm. they wanted people to call Trump racist. And I am not saying that Trump isn't racist. Trump is very racist and has been for a very long time. You look at what he did to black tenants in his buildings in New York. This is a this is a racist family that has prejudicial beliefs and that is not a new thing for them. That is very much who they are. No. But calling Trump racist does not hurt him. With his base, no. with the people who support him, they don't care. They either don't believe it or they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't care. And they would love it if you see this every time, because not only do they know it's not really going to hurt them, they know it's going to it's going to become this fight. So looking back at, at when it's come up and when it's happened, and it kind of mirrors what's happening with Santos here, because people say, ah, he's a he's a white nationalist. He's racist. He's all this. And and then other people say, well, how he's Brazilian and he's half black. Why would you think he's racist? He just did a thing with his hands. Mm-hmm. It's like an unprovable argument that both sides kind of get what they want out of it, but nothing is actually accomplished. And if you look at, like I said, when it's been used, it came up in the Kavanaugh hearings. And we know that Brett Kavanaugh went through these hearings to become a Supreme Court justice. And he was accused of rape as a teenager in high school. And Christine Blasey Ford gave testimony and was a credible witness. And this became a story. This became a problem for him and the people who wanted to vote for him and confirm him. And in one of these hearings, one of his aides, a lawyer named Zena Bash, who had worked for him, flashed what looked like an okay sign during the hearing sitting right behind him. Mm -hmm. And that became a story. And that became a thing that a lot of people were talking about. It got mentioned on Twitter, and then it went viral very quickly. And then it became, well, she's not racist. Or it became, well, she's obviously racist. Or right. it became, well, is she white? Or is she... You you had people who started saying, I'm looking at Snopes with this, and they said, the lawyer, Zena Bash, once served as a clerk for Brett Kavanaugh. She sat directly behind him. She was seen on camera resting her right hand on her left arm, thumb and pointer finger forming a circle. Bash's husband... U.S. Attorney John Bash took to Twitter to blast his wife's accusers, pointing out that she is of Jewish and Mexican descent and saying the couple has, quote, nothing to do with hate groups which aim to terrorize and demean other people, never have and never would. And then it became this argument of people saying she's racist and other people saying she's not racist and lost in the shuffle were these accusations against Brad Kavanaugh. You can't ever say for sure if she meant to do it or didn't mean to do it. And the deniability of it is what's perfect because Santos can just say, Oh, I didn't even, I just, I I don't even know what happened. What are you talking about? My hands just, mm-hmm. I make that sign all the time. I just do that. And Zena Bash could say the same thing. And whether or not it's intentional doesn't really matter because it, it consumes the news cycle. And then if you, if you deny it, well, then you make people even angrier and then they just argue that much more. So mm-hmm. it, it becomes the story. And however racist Santos is or isn't, do you think that's what's going get, to get him kicked out of office? No, I'm sure there's plenty of members of Congress who are quite racist at this point. We know about a few of them. But 
that's not going to get anybody booted out of Congress. Yeah. What's going to get him booted out of Congress, if anything does, is the financial irregularities. And he would do anything to get people's eyes off of that right now. And this is where I think we should talk a little bit about the concept of reflexive control. The idea that you are providing somebody with a bunch of information to get them to make the decision that you want them to make. This is an old Russian military concept here. They like to give you a bunch of information that then leads you, when you get confronted with certain facts or certain ideas or certain people making certain gestures on TV, then you have to go with this certain response that they already have essentially programmed you to make in this case. So like if the okay symbol is racist and racist is the worst thing that you can possibly be, racism must be immediately condemned, canceled, etc. Therefore the person doing the okay symbol is now the worst person alive and must be immediately shamed for their racism above all else. So like you drop everything else that you might be looking at here and attack the racism. Racism is terrible. It should absolutely be attacked and condemned. But in this particular case, maybe this guy would rather have you think he's a racist because your condemnation doesn't really mean a whole lot to this guy. You being upset with him doesn't really make him upset. No. It doesn't really do anything but potentially get another news cycle in the books where you aren't talking about that huge amount of money that he supposedly loaned his campaign. You're not talking about his biggest campaign donors, you know, ties to Victor Vecklesburg or anything like that. You're talking about, wow, George Santos is a racist. Look at that hand gesture. And the, and the tweets about this went very viral with thousands of retweets and likes. I saw it go to the top page of Reddit. This very much kind of took over the, the news about him, at least for a few days. Gosh. What a surprise. What a surprise. You bring up reflexive control, and you're right. I don't know how much of it is the algorithms on Twitter or how much of it. I think it's it's part of it. It is a hot-button issue, mm-hmm. and racism absolutely is horrible and should be condemned. We should fight to eradicate it. But they know what the response is going to be. They know how people are going to react to this because they know that the left is understandably concerned with racism and concerned with protesting and and fighting against forms of Mm -hmm. systemic racism. So they know these stories will blow up. And sometimes they plant stories in a strategic way to draw your attention to something that doesn't harm them. And it very much looks like that's what occurred here. And if you really... Think about it. The idea of reflexive control is essentially you see something and you automatically respond to it in a certain way. And there are certain topics where people's reaction is instinctive. They don't have to think about the response. It's racism is bad and I need to say that. And so people feel compelled to respond to it. But the right knows this. They know that this will happen. And so they use your own emotion Mm -hmm. and best intentions against you because they can and because it benefits them. And so we are not in any way saying don't fight against racism. We are saying see this for what it is and know your enemy and understand his tactics. This is 
a troll and it's bait. And the enemy understands you. That is why they do this, because the enemy understands how you think in this particular case, because the enemy has spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of words in various publications getting you to think this way. They have repeated this message enough to the point where we had a case in San Diego during the Black Lives Matter protests where a guy saw a um, San Diego gas and electric truck driver stretching, as he put it, he was cracking his knuckles out the window. This guy took footage of it, said it was an okay sign, ended up getting the guy fired. And the guy later on walked it back and said, maybe I reacted too hastily. I was upset. There was this protest going on. And Cafferty, the guy who got fired, he was blameless from the sounds of all things. He's actually Mexican-American and comes from a diverse family of all races. But they've gotten people to take this particular gesture and just jump every time they see it because they have put it in enough places that that's what people think when they see it now. And I think it's worth saying that plenty of the people on the right are not white and mm-hmm. they could still be rather virulent racist. Like George Santos could be a very racist person. I don't know. I have not seen any clear indication from what he said that he is, but you can be non-white and still be very aligned with white nationalists and very extreme views on race. So we're not saying this is all clear cut and, oh, don't attack the guy for being racist. If you if if he says some racist things and by all means, if he's palling around with racist people, then that is on him. Part of the message here, part of the understanding here is that, like you said, with with that case, so the guy was just cracking his knuckles, the right doesn't mind if mm-hmm. people get canceled because it makes the, the left look crazy. And they want the left to look crazy and they want you to discredit yourselves and they can use reflexive control to get you to that point where you're taking more and more extreme stances on things you may not even actually believe, but you think you're helping. And there's a limit to how much influence they can have. But the goal here is to discredit the left and Mm -hmm. to discredit anti-racist action. They want the left to look, oh, you think everything is racist, or oh, all you want to talk about is racism. And as you discredit yourself, then it becomes harder to have a conversation about race with with a normie, with the people you want to reach. And they want that. They're really trying for a boy who cried wolf type of situation where if everything is racist, then no one's ever going to listen to you when you point these things out. And that's what they're shooting for. Let's trivialize the entire concept by convincing people that this is what the left thinks. It's not even about convincing the vast majority of people that that's what this is. It's about convincing the vast majority of people that this is what the left thinks. Yeah. And you you, you think that neo-Nazis and white nationalists wouldn't like us to just stop talking about race? No, absolutely. Because if if we stop, then they get to control that conversation and they get to have the say and, and great replacement and all these things that they love to share with their audience. Mm-hmm. Well, then it, it starts to take over the radio wave. So they, they want to control that conversation. And it is very much being guided by people who are very racist and have very extreme views. Mm-hmm. And what we're, what we're about here is beating them. And to beat them, you have to understand them. And you just, I think the biggest thing a lot of times is really just take a breath. It's really just if you see something like this go viral, you say, should we be talking about this? Is this is this real? Is this provable? Is this going to hurt the person who's doing it? And 
you just take a breath. And I think if you do, it really becomes apparent what's happening and whether you're being manipulated. And none of us want that. Yeah, we basically have the ability to slow this thing down, which is another thing that they don't want. They don't want you to take a second to analyze what's going on. They want you to be constantly jumping from one crisis to the next crisis to the next crisis and never take a second to analyze, hey, why are these crises keep happening? Why are these crises just going on and on and on? Could there be potentially some other reason why this stuff is happening that isn't necessarily the crisis in front of us, the crisis immediately behind us, or the crisis immediately ahead of us? And I wish I wish being racist enough was a good enough reason to get you out of Congress. And In an ideal world, it would be. It used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in an ideal world, it would be. And at one point, it was. But we play the board as it sits. We play the hand we're dealt, and this is just where we are. And it's not enough. Unfortunately. In this information space, in this environment, in 2023, being racist is, is not enough to get you out. Well, speaking of weaponizing the information space and getting people to jump at certain cues that they're given, I think we can all agree that you know, Steve Bannon and his team, the Bannon Sphere, however we're referring to them these days, is an absolute master of this. And he's in neck deep with what's going on in Brazil right now. He may not have started it. They obviously didn't need any incentive from a guy like him to do it. But they're doing it, and Bannon's cheering them on every day on his program. And former President Jair Bolsonaro may have been in Orlando, Florida, but his supporters decided to carry out their own version of January 6th in Brazil on January 8th. They stormed the National Congress buildings in the Brazilian capital of Brasilia. This comes after months of protests and calls for what would have amounted to a right-wing military coup to keep Bolsonaro in power after he lost his re-election bid to Lula da Silva. Thankfully, this didn't happen. Lula has already been sworn in as president, and he was able to gain control of the situation in Brasilia once he called down the federal troops. But we're not too surprised that they were able to get this to happen, were we? We were not. We, I think, were were very relieved when Bolsonaro got on a plane and went to Florida. And certainly the protest hadn't stopped and everything hadn't calmed down. But it is interesting to see this after Lula has already right. been sworn in. The The transition to Lula's government has already happened. But I think that's also kind of why they did it, because they were able to storm the National Congress and there wasn't anyone there. So there was less of a police presence. It was the capital was undefended, essentially, if you really think about it. The Bolsonaro supporters had built up so much energy and anger and resentment and frustration, and they had told their audience and their supporters how much evidence, supposedly, there was of the stolen election. And they talked up Lula the communist, and Lula is going to jail everyone of Bolsonaro's supporters, and it's going to be this communist hellscape. You're going to end up as Venezuela, and honestly, stuff like eating out of trash cans and it's going to be anarchy and oh we need bolsonaro to save us you had two months of this where they were just being fed this and it's it's like they just built up all of this stored energy that had to get out somewhere and it finally exploded in the national congress and yeah it looks it looks just like january 6 but thinking about yeah we're, we're not surprised well 
you know, I wrote about this in November. It's been a little over two months and posted some clips of Steve Bannon's show. And you had his guest, Matthew Tierman, on November 1st saying, quote, people on the ground believe that this election is stolen. And Bannon mm-hmm. coming back with, we're a long way from having this thing decided. Yeah, at times it blew up a little bit more, but it was a, it was a steady drumbeat of this was stolen, this was stolen, election denial, and and all of these fears just became pervasive on the right. And you also had the owner of Twitter who repeatedly said he would look into the quote-unquote censorship of right-wing voices in Brazil, the people who were saying all these things. He was replying to them and saying, I'm going to help. And the Washington Post reported that he was going to look into this. So... When the formerly richest man in the world is on your side and Steve Bannon and all of his people are, they're talking about it on his show. They were, they were advising Bolsonaro in November in terms of next steps and what they do and how they're going to fight this election. And I think that desire from the protesters, from the rioters to get the military to intervene, that never went away. They, they put those camps up outside of the military barracks and they just kept waiting and it didn't happen. But this energy, this anger, it had to go somewhere apparently. And so they just did their version of January 6th, didn't they? Uh Uh-huh. That's exactly what this looked like. Looking at the footage from Brasilia from yesterday, it was so reminiscent of the scenes that we saw replace the American flags that the, J6 rioters were using with the Brazilian flag, and you saw almost the exact same thing. You had people in the main congressional chamber. You had people trashing the Supreme Court building, which is a big, as you said, target for them. Moraes, the Supreme Court justice, is one of the big bads in their mythology, so they would love to have gone ahead and done that. Thankfully, Lula was able to restore order by calling in the federal authorities And they were able to get this thing shut down pretty fast when he did that. Because it looks like the local cops, or at least somebody, somebody was in on this. Somebody at the local level. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe they didn't organize it, but they looked the other way. The the defenses were down. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have the security secretary, Anderson Torres, who is the federal district security secretary. And he called the situation regrettable, saying that he had ordered immediate steps to restore order in the center of Brasilia. He was dismissed by Governor Hosha, the governor of the federal district, after Sunday's breaches. Torres happened to be on vacation when all this stuff came up. He was in Orlando, Florida, on vacation. Happened to be. Happened to be. Who else was in Orlando? Ah, guy named Bolsonaro. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... Kind of almost looks like, uh, hey, we didn't have anything to do with this. We were out of the country type of situation. But either way, if you're the guy in charge, when something like this goes down and your job is stopping something like this from going down, you're probably not going to have that job too much longer. So he's been canned and his boss has now been suspended for 30 days while they investigate all of this. It makes you wonder, you're talking about Bannon and Jason Miller and... All of these these people in that orbit were advising Bolsonaro and his kids on next steps. Were they also advising him how to get away with it? How to have enough deniability that they can't prosecute you? 
you get far enough away and you get far enough removed that everybody knows who's responsible, but good luck proving it. Because if there's anything they're good at, it's avoiding consequences, isn't it? Most of them have yet to see any significant consequences for January 6th. There's a lot of people in jail, both in Brazil and in the United States, as a result of these actions. But very few of them are named Steve Bannon. Very few of them are named Ali Alexander, who was also another person big on this one. Oh, yeah. He was pushing it from the beginning. I remember he, he got cited in Gateway Pundit, which they were citing his his truths over on Truth Social. But he's been on Telegram, too. He's been... He's been putting that out there, and we had these, well, the the New York Young Republican crew, they were at one point saying, the, the official account for the club was saying, send in the tanks. They were all for this. They were pushing the the stolen election lie. And and to be clear, so there's there's no ambiguity here. There's as much evidence of fraud and the election being stolen in Brazil as there was in the United States in 2020, which is to say none. None. This is just made up. And I think with Brazil and with people reporting on Brazil, there's maybe enough kind of wiggle room because there's things can get lost in translation. We're dealing with Portuguese, English, and oh, well, this person says that this happened and this source says this. And I am sure you can find some sources that say there was oh, this this was fraud and this was a lie and and the Supreme Court is biased and did this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. It's been looked at. The military, the military in Brazil, who it's the military, no surprise, they are they lean to the right, but they looked into this at Bolsonaro's request and request of various people who were associated with him, and they said there's no fraud. They They said that... This did not happen. This is not real. And all of these grievances and all of this anger that is built up, it is the exact same playbook and it is the exact same strategy of just asking questions. And many people are saying, and well, I heard from blank that blank. And it was enough. These people wanted Bolsonaro to stay. They did not want, they do not like Lula. They do not want him to to take over. That's fine. They don't have to like him, but he won a free and fair election in Brazil. He certainly did. And it seems, again, that they're testing. They are running, essentially, tests of what can we get away with? What happens if we do it this way instead of the way we did it last time? What happens if we push this button instead of that button when it comes to getting people to react And it does not bode well for 2024. It really doesn't. Because this is the exact same rhetoric that we heard in 2020. We heard in Arizona in 2022, to some extent. In Brazil in 2023 and 2022. And now it doesn't get you kicked off Twitter. Not at all. Now you get Tracy Beans and Mike Flynn and... These people who pushed the 2020 stolen election lies, they're back. <laughs> they're back with their hundreds of thousands of followers doing the same thing. Tracy Beans, QAnon lady, is is doing the same thing with Carrie Lake right now. She's still contesting the election. <laughs> she's, she's, 
She's still out there. Mike Flynn, 900,000 followers. Mm-hmm. He got reinstated. He pushed the stolen election lies as much as anyone. He was big in, in supporting the people around QAnon. Did the QAnon pledge, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, he did. And and now the owner of Twitter says, oh, it's just free speech. Mm-hmm. We just have to let them. We just have to let them. And and look, Elon didn't make this happen. There is There is not one single cause for any of this. But you're either helping or you're making it worse and showing people that there are no consequences for this, at least on this platform, in this environment, there are no consequences whatsoever. And actually, oh, you want to come back? Well, sure, that's fine. And I know you're going to do the same thing again in 2024. You know, some of these people have not changed. Not one bit. If anything, they've become more radical and more extreme. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in 2024... If they run this again, the voices are just going to be louder. And the anger, the anger is just going to have built up into something even worse. Yeah. We're in trouble here. And it may seem like there's not a whole lot we can do about it. But I think the more people who become aware of what's going on here, the more people who are actually paying attention to how this playbook works the less likely it's going to be to catch fire again when they run it in 2024. Because the one thing I do feel pretty confident in saying is they're going to see some variant of this in 2024. It's going to look something like this with the same crew. Well, and the the fact that it's just so similar, that it's really the same thing. And they knew, you, you see these pictures now and you've got people, pictures of people being arrested and the, the federal authorities came in and shut this down, shut this writing down. And you see people walked out in handcuffs. And I've, I've seen some, some people saying, well, why did you, we should, we should have done this here. Why didn't we do this here? And well, the big difference is that Trump was president. Yeah, he was still president. And he he remained president for mm-hmm. two weeks after it because guys like Kevin McCarthy didn't didn't make him stop being president. They could have. And they could have. They had that option. In fact, he was impeached again for his role in January 6th. And people like Kevin McCarthy voted not to impeach him. Yeah. And who did Kevin McCarthy think and who took credit for finally getting the speaker vote Finished and finally getting Kevin McCarthy past the finish line. <laughs> but I was told Donald Trump had no influence in the GOP anymore. Mm-hmm. But Kevin McCarthy, he made sure to thank Trump for his support and Trump made sure to take credit for it. Yeah, 2024 is coming. And and this this operation in Brazil, if you think of it less as something that they actually thought would accomplish a concrete goal. If they wanted these protests in Brazil to keep Bolsonaro in power, they needed to do something weeks ago, a month ago. Right. And they didn't. For whatever reason, they didn't go all in. They didn't actually try to pull off a coup. And instead, they went another way. And by doing it this way, Bolsonaro is, of course, going to try to avoid consequences. And he might. He might. But you've you've got these... You're talking about preventing this, and you think about the people who went to jail for January 6th, and by and large, they were the little people. Mm-hmm. They were. The ordinary, average Joes who bought these lies and and believed them and thought they were doing a good thing. They thought that they were under threat and that this fraud was real. And rather than just pointing and laughing and mocking them, I think we need to point out that the people in the US were were pawns and these people getting getting marched out of 
the National Congress in Brazil, they were fed lies to advance a narrative and the political ambitions of people who do not care about them. No. What's more important to the Steve Bannons of the world, to Trump, to their elk, is that this narrative goes on. And now... Now in Brazil, all these people are going to go to jail, and now the narrative can continue of Lula the the criminal. Lula is persecuting the right and Bolsonaro supporters. And oh, look at all these political prisoners. And see, we told you that that Lula is this tyrant who just wants to jail his enemies. Well, yeah, these people should go to jail because they ransacked Congress and the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and and laws have to matter. Right. If they don't, then where are we? Yeah. But if you're if you're one of these people, if you're one of their family members, if you're someone who supports Trump or Bolsonaro, but you don't support this, then I think maybe some of those people can be reached. And maybe the way to do it is to say, look, they're just using you. Look, Lula has already been inaugurated. He's already the president. Whatever they were doing down there in Brasilia... It wasn't going to no. overturn the election because the election happened months ago. Lula's in office. He called in the federal police and mm-hmm. this was shut down in 20 minutes. This was not about seizing power. If they wanted to seize power, they maybe could have done it. But that that window has passed. This is about getting video footage of this. This is about pictures. This is about Brazilian patriots are being harassed and detained. This is feeding narrative. This has nothing to do with seizing power at this point. Like you said, that window is shut. If you really want to destroy democracy, don't you start by defacing democratic institutions? Mm-hmm. Don't you start by saying, oh, this is a sacred building or this is a sacred ceremony or these are sacred images in this, in this great hall? Let me throw some shit on the wall because that's what I think about your democratic institutions. And that's what they did. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.